0: Taylor Harris, welcome to Better Reading. Thank you very much. Well, I'm not sure how to introduce you. Would I say superstar extraordinaire? You're an AFL player. You're a boxer. You're a, an athlete, I guess. Would that be right? Just Taylor is also also fine. (laughs) (laughs) And Taylor is also fine. Okay, athlete Taylor, who has also written a book. I want to start off, I'm feeling very, very excited to talk to you today. One, because I haven't spoken to somebody your age before, and I think there's (laughs) a lot of wisdom coming from the younger generation, and I I enjoy working with people your age, but... um, Certainly um, when it comes to producing books, people are often a bit older. So it's a well thought out book and it's an inspirational book. But I'm going to start with a quote uh, from your dad, Warren. There are girls who like ballet and there are girls who like football. Every one of them has to find their place and every one of them has the right to take that place. That's extraordinary wisdom, isn't it?
2: It is. And that's why I am feeling so fortunate for the way that I was brought up the open mind that my parents had to allow me to do whatever I felt was enjoyable and the right thing and path for me to take. Even at a young age, I chose football when I was five and they never once questioned it. They just saw that I was enjoying it and did whatever it took to let me Continue to enjoy that sport. Yeah.
0: So uh, tell me a, a bit about your upbringing. So it's you and your brother. Talk to me about that, where you grew up, and talk to me about the importance of sport in your life.
2: Yeah, sure. My brother, who is two years older than me, myself, my mum and dad grew up on the north side of Brisbane in Everton Park. And I was very fortunate to have my mum's side of the family. My grandparents live five-minute bike ride one way and my dad's side of the family and grandparents leave five-minute bike ride the other way so I spent my childhood on my bike riding from one grandparents to the other every afternoon after school and riding around till the street lights came on and then coming home and going straight to the dinner table and enjoying whatever home meal mum had cooked so I had what I think was the perfect upbringing and I feel very fortunate to have had that and to have had the support and the luxuries that I did as a, as a young person, which for luxuries, I only, I only mean the ability to um, ride my bike around in the afternoon and nothing too fancy, but just things that I felt like were exactly what I needed. So that was, that was fantastic. And then since I've moved to Melbourne um, and that's been a real change for me because I've never been away from family and all of my family has been in one place. My cousins all lived on the north side of Brisbane, my aunties and uncles. Um, mum's side of the family, distant relatives actually live in New South Wales, but that's as far as it goes. So I was the first one to move out of the radius. Do you missing home? I am, especially at the moment because the Queensland borders, being in Melbourne now, the Queensland borders are blocked off so I can't go up and visit and I haven't not seen my parents for longer than oh, probably a month and a half and now it's been four months or something so it's very strange but thank goodness for FaceTime and Zoom calls and things I can still see them. Tell me your first
0: memory of your passion for sport you know uh, was it bike riding what was it that something you know why did you know at the age of five that you wanted to play football?
2: I think dad often reminds me that when I was younger I would swing off his arm like a monkey at the shops and try and swipe anything I could off the shelves and I'd crawl over him and be on his shoulders all the time, jump up and down. I think I was just an active kid. And I think I, as a young person, especially mum and dad, wanted me to channel that activeness and energy into something. And once I found sport um, and my first interaction was AFL because that's what my dad did growing up. So we just, me and my cousin's, who were the same age, we all, and my brother, we all just joined and I loved it. So I loved um, being able to be with a dozen other energetic, active kids and um, who had the same kind of focus as me and wanting to to do things, you know, like I didn't want to sit at home and and do nothing. I wanted to get out there and build things and kick things and (laughs) whatever else it was, jump over things. Mm.
0: So you started playing AFL at a very young age, but Pretty much from what I've seen and what I've read about you, you're an all-rounder, if you like. Would that be right, that you like lots of sports?
2: I like to try lots of things. I'm very open to giving everything a go and I'm not afraid to fail at something. I think that's a really important thing. I I've found that the things that I haven't necessarily succeeded or at least become um, a public thing, like obviously boxing and footy have become a big thing for me, but there's plenty of things that I did along the way Soccer, for example, um, or athletics that I was okay at, but I certainly wasn't wasn't great at, but I really enjoyed the experience that I got from, from that sport and from understanding that not everything just gets handed to you. You have to work hard for everything. So boxing was like that. I wasn't a walk up boxer. I had to learn every single step of the way. So um, yeah, I really enjoy the process.
0: It's not instant gratification. It's well it might be instant gratification, but it's not instant success. It's hard work.
2: Yeah, it is, absolutely. Yes. And there's no such thing as, as an easy ride, um, as you get older and everybody realises that. But I'm glad that I got little glimpses along the way through sport and I think that's why sport is so important, especially socially, because you learn you learn that. You learn that not everything is is for free. You have to work for it. Hmm.
0: So tell me then, so you went through high school. Tell me when you started veering towards perhaps boxing or AFL, and when it is that your career started in sport, if you like.
2: Well, in grade, up until grade 10, I participated in anything that I could to get the day off school. And that was (laughs) basically the, the criteria for me. Any sport, badminton, um, softball, soccer, whatever it was, as long as I could get the day off, I'd represent the school and I was happy about it. I really enjoyed athletics. That was one of the, the ones that I, um, I genuinely tried and it was mostly throwing events. So I made my way to the state championships or something. Um, so I represented the region for shot put and discus. So I enjoyed doing those. But then other girls who were beating me by a fair margin, Um, were the ones that turned up in in all the gear, the proper shoes, the proper equipment, a coach. And I was there in my tracksuit, my vans and my mum cheering me on. So I kind of realised that if you're going to actually get a long way in a sport, you have to commit to it 100%. So I enjoyed it up until then and then realised that if I was going to make a career out of what I chose to, it was going to require everything of me. And I chose AFL, so I dedicated everything to AFL and was boxing that a constant
0: ten. shot like that was a choice you went home and you thought okay now i'm going to turn things around a little bit i'm going to choose one sport and i'm going to focus on that was that how old were you when you made that decision
2: yeah that's right i was probably in grade grade 10 maybe going into grade 11 because at that point things were getting a bit more serious with football queensland teams at the time and representative teams and it became evident that if I wasn't giving one hundred percent to the chosen sport, I was giving less than that. And less than that is not enough to get to get to what I was striving to achieve. So I realized that time is precious and you can't be everywhere at one time. So I decided that football was the one that I was gonna gonna give a real go at. And with the very open mind that if it wasn't if one day I just decided I want to change, I was I was going to. I wasn't locked into anything in my mind so and I'm still that way as soon as I decide that I want to do something else I will so that's how I operate and I really enjoy having that freedom whereas I think a lot of people feel some sort of I guess thing in, in their mind that they have to continue to pursue something when in reality it's it's up to you what you dedicate your time to and it's you only get one chance to be the age that you are that minute and obviously age is the limiting factor so yeah, and then boxing came along. The reason I did boxing was because my dad took me down to the local PCYC and he wanted me to just just understand what I was capable of, given there was, if there was any situation that I needed to know that I was able to defend myself, for example, I could. And boxing is one of those sports that you understand weight distribution, you understand power versus speed and understanding reaction time and things like that. So it was the perfect thing to get involved in. And it was also fun. And it was also something that was going to help my footy with fitness. So it seemed perfect. Then well, it, I fell in yeah. love with the sport. So um, um, more
0: than a kick in your book, you talk about, sorry to interrupt you, but I just want to hone in on that go. point. You talk about the fact that boxing is not about aggression for you. Talk to me about that.
2: Yeah, well, exactly. And I think it came from the reason that I started. So the reason that I started was not to, to be aggressive ever, to never to hurt anyone, never to. I even started just for fitness not to punch it not to want to fight anyone I only fought someone because one of my coaches believed in me and said to me I think you could do really well in this sport and I said oh I I wasn't really going to try but as a competitive person and as a an athlete as soon as I heard that I thought oh okay well if you think I can I think I can and that coach that said that his name's Farris and he is now like he's still my coach so it's um for me it's goes a long way when someone believes in you and Ferris has continued to believe in me the whole way. And he's taken me from someone and I've got some videos of me back in the day and they're a little bit embarrassing because I was not any good. I was no, um, I don't know what he saw, but he saw something. But back then it was, yeah, you had to see through a lot of unconventional methods <laughs> of a boxer. But since then I've um, participated in the sport purely for the reason that I wanted to be better at it for myself I didn't want to beat anyone I just wanted to beat myself and be better than my last experience and at the end of the day the sport of boxing the competition or game day if you like is to to punch someone and I kind of think of it in a way that they are like a score a score card I suppose and if I hit them there that hard enough then I'll get 10 points and if I get enough points I'll win the fight and then I'll win the game so that's how I how I do it and I have had a lot of trouble with the element of, of hurting someone, I suppose, because it's just the nature of the sport. But I've overcome that by being able to, I suppose, compartmentalise and, and when I fight to make it as if it's a technical battle as opposed to a trying to hurt someone, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, that does make sense. But what about when somebody hits you? This is
2: where I'd be really fearful. <laughs> How <laughs> well, does that feel? When someone hits, it, it doesn't feel great. <laughs> but <laughs> when it happens, my, the, my first thought is, okay, they've got me once. The first thing I need to do is to make sure that they don't know that they've affected me, if they have. And then the next thing I think is I have to get them back. If they've got me twice in a row, I have to get them three times. So it's, it's very much, it's not any anger. It's not like a frustration or anything. It's just very calculated. You've got me. Now I need to get you back twice. That's yeah. how I, that's how I compete.
0: Tell me, what does your day look like? So, how you know? T- talk me through a day, a normal day of an athlete, and is there a normal day,
2: or do they vary? Yeah, there's no such thing as a normal day. Um, right, there you go. I I train uh, a couple times a day each day, and a lot of the things I do are quite random. You uh, and that's. By design, I don't like to do the same thing every day and I don't like to do the same thing. Otherwise, I get bored. So as a young kid, I got bored very easily and as an adult, I get bored very easily. So I make sure I mix things up with training. I do a lot of different styles of training, swimming, running, boxing. Um, there's this thing called zoo training. It's when you train with your body weight like an animal and you crawl around the place and roll around and things like that. And then all sorts of other things. Like I, I YouTube something sometimes workouts And I just do them because I just feel like doing it. And I enjoy learning what works for me. And as I've gotten older, I've realized that time is precious and I need to dedicate time to certain things to make sure that I am the best athlete. But those certain things are creative for me. So, swimming, for example, isn't something you would necessarily think for a football and boxer, but it's something that I think is vital in my program because it provides me with a different element to my training and it it has all sorts of benefits physically but also mentally uh, and in your lungs obviously uh, that's a big thing for swimming and You need your lungs for a lot of things.
0: I've been swimming um, all my life. I live right near a public pool and uh, one of my saddest um, things about uh, having to isolate with coronavirus is that I haven't
2: been able to get into the pool. I miss it. I'm the same. I'm fortunate we have a pool here that I can just do. But although it's only 12 metres long, so I've got to (laughs) do many, many laps, yeah, Lots Yeah. lots of spinning.
0: I want to talk about, so at what point did your uh, career become professional? I mean, is is there a moment that that happens in sport? Because to tell you the truth, I mean, I wasn't aware of you until that kick. Um, so t- talk to me about your professional trajectory.
2: Well, I think probably when I moved to Melbourne, so when I played for the Brisbane Lions in the first season, which was in 2017, I worked at the Lions um, full-time. And so obviously semi-professional at that point but then when I moved footy clubs from Brisbane to Carlton I came down to Carleton, came down to Melbourne and played for Carlton and I was able to sustain at least enough of a lifestyle from that money and that and then I built on that and I went for opportunities outside of footy so whether it be media or sponsorship and then with my boxing career things started to take off and I started to see an opportunity there to make money so I started to I suppose, combine the two sports and then their commercial value. And with the help of my manager, I've I've managed to find a way to craft a job out of playing sport. It's certainly not getting paid just to play footy and just to box, but I'm also doing a lot of public speaking things. So I'm using my experience as an athlete to try and educate a lot of people but also make it a job as well at the same time. And you succeeded uh, in that.
0: Talk to me about the photo, that kick, um, and how it affected you initially.
2: Yeah, well, it was a pretty crazy time. It's something that I... Let's
0: describe it to some of those people that might not know what the photo was.
2: Yeah, so I was playing in the last round of the regular season in 2019. And... um, it was at Witten Noble. I kicked the footy as I normally do. It was the first goal of the game. And a fo- and after that game, a photo of me kicking the footy with, with full extension and follow through as I normally do went online. And it was a great photo in terms of photography. It was um, very visually appealing and there was colors and um, it was focused. I thought it was,
0: it was powerful. Training. I thought it was really powerful.
2: It was yeah, it was. It, it was a good showed to me
0: a great, strong young person.
2: Yeah, well, yeah. yeah it was just a um, an athlete doing her job. So that's that's all I saw. Didn't think much of it at all. Continued to go on with my day. Later on, I came back and noticed that the photo had received a lot of comments that were alluding to, I suppose, the sexual side of of me and in terms of like my um, areas and I don't even know how to explain it I feel gross like when I talk about it because it just should never ever have gone that way so (laughs) that's that's why it's so hard to kind of explain because normal people do not think like that and that's why it was hard to grasp the concept of, of why this was happening but along with that there was obviously the the gross side of it but there was also the sexist side there was the misogyny there was the bullying about women's sport and that it, it shouldn't be here and all these sorts of things. So a whole heap of these comments and trolling comments were on my photo. And because of the magnitude of them, Channel 7, who posted it, decided to take it down in an attempt to just get rid of it and kind of push it under the rug. But I wasn't having that because my photo should not have been taken down. It was a great photo by a great photographer. Why did it get taken down and why did the comments not get deleted? So I put it straight back up and that's what kind of caused the uproar because a lot of people agreed. Why, why should it be like that? It, it shouldn't. It didn't make sense. Mm. So that's why it went, went a bit crazy and a bit viral because so many people had enough of it. It was so frustrating that people think it's acceptable to publicly voice their opinion that, a, that is not warranted on a public platform like social media. And so because this was such a, an issue that had been in the background for a long time and it was really frustrating and a lot of people just let it go, this was an opportunity for so many people to, to get on board and say, here's an exact example of what shouldn't happen, and this is why. And then that's why it went so, so big because it just resonated with so many people, men and women. I mm, so, agree.
0: Yeah, I agree. Definitely. I mean, you know, I I didn't have a radar. For, I, I don't have a radar for sport at all. But it's it's it really. I I couldn't understand the fuss initially. I remember just seeing it and thinking, wow, she's impressive, and that was that. That thought that yeah. just left me. <laughs> that was over. But then I saw you. I think on the ABC, and I thought she's defending herself. Why? And then I had to go back and find out what had happened. And I was quite shocked, but you have been a great speaker for it because you, I I feel that you handled it very well and you, you didn't let it go and you spoke to it immediately. Did that come from you?
2: Yeah, well, absolutely. I was very much, the second I realized what was happening, I was very prepared to speak about it Yeah. because first of all, it was me involved. So in my nature, I will always defend myself. I'll always defend my friends and family. So it just made total sense to to stick up for myself in a sense. But then upon realizing that I wasn't only sticking up for myself, but other people, it it was just a empowering feeling to know that I was helping people and giving people a voice. Mm. And the ability to do that with the platform that I have, it was just the right thing to do. Whether I was comfortable or not didn't matter. It was the right thing to do. So I just pushed on with it. And the support that I have with friends and family and the footy club, the AFL and the broader community was incredible. So I certainly felt like I was able to do it. So I had to do it. Mm. And how
0: does it change your life for the better? Because I feel as though you're going to put a positive spin on anything. You're that kind of person.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's the way I operate. I try my best to find the positives in everything. And it certainly added a lot to my life. Before this happened, I was someone that would, on any level, whether it was just a, a conversation with friends, I would always try my best to be kind and to to see the best in people and to stick up for, for things that I believe in. That was the way I operated and my, that was my values. That was how I was brought up. So to be able to do that on such a public platform and to be able to make my parents proud, my grandparents proud and everything, that that was all I needed. So to be able to do that was the the gratification i needed but the things that came along with it the opportunity to speak on this podcast the opportunity to have a voice further than just the sporting world was something that i was really excited about and i will continue to to do continue to push cuz in school i could not stand bullying and this is a form of bullying and it's a way that i can speak about it and i've got my own experience but i can hopefully help relate to anyone who's experiencing any level of bullying It's something that I just refuse to accept and will not tolerate. So here I am just trying my best to use my platform to continue to eradicate it. It'll take a while and it'll take a lot of courage from a lot of people, but hopefully I can continue to to give people some inspiration, I suppose. And
0: I tell you, Taylor, you're an inspiration, not just to young people, but to people like me as well. It's been such a joy speaking with you today. The book is called More Than a Kick. Congratulations. And honestly, I've loved chatting with you. Thank you.
2: Thank you so much. I really enjoyed
0: chatting too. you. <laughs> if you'd like more information about Better Reading, follow us on Facebook or visit
1: betterreading.com.au. Join your local public library and you'll gain access to the world's best collection of e-books and e-audiobooks available for you to loan on your phone or your personal device. Belinda, we're here to enable you to escape, imagine, grow and be inspired through the power of storytelling. Belinda Audiobooks. Anywhere, everywhere.
2: luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
0: If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.